Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We have gone through, you know, a bit of a rough schedule with Tom Steves and I moving back home. We've been dealing with a couple other things. Tom's going out of town, so it's going to be Steves and I for a little while. Uh, maybe we'll have to call on Aiden for an episode. But I'm not too sure about that. But I'm excited to talk about a couple of things we got to talk about today. First of all, Steves, how you doing? I'm doing good. We got, I mean, we got a couple people on the back burner that could come in for a couple episodes. We got our, our card enthusiast, Matt James. We're excited to have him start up on some TikToks. We talked about that. Um, got, got Sawyer. Uh, he can kind of give us more of a D3, kind of talk about him, maybe about D3 pitching and how that goes. But we definitely got a couple guys that can come in and kind of replace Tom for a while. Not that Tom's replaceable in any, any shape or fashion, but, you know, to manage for the little bit. But outside of that, I'm doing good. Just ready to talk about baseball. Yeah, I, if if he was replaceable, I guess we could call him like a a four A 4A podcaster, it's a replacement <laughs> level podcaster. Um, so there's a couple like big things. First of all, one of the conversations does stem from Tom. It's just he is traveling today. So one of the conversations I wanted to have was about pitching injuries and the pitch clock, and the other one was this fun series that has taken place throughout this week between the New York Yankees and the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I'd like to start there, and then maybe if we have some time, get to this article I found on first quarter grades, uh, like rating each team, how they've done so far, which is kind of interesting. I went through it, got a little look at it. I agree with most of it. Um, But starting with the Blue Jays-Yankees, did you have the opportunity to watch just what that was? No. Okay, so I did watch – I watched – was it – I think it was game two – Mm-hmm. Yeah, the third base box issue. That I watched that one. That I watched that game. But outside of that, I really didn't see a lot of the series. I saw I, everything on Instagram and, and Twitter, obviously. So I know the gist of what happened. But it, it was definitely an interesting series. Yeah. And the Blue Jays and Yankees, do you think that, like this is like this is the penultimate series? This is the winner of this series takes first place. No, they're both like five to eight games out of first place. Um, as a result of Wednesday night's contest, I'm seeing if they play today. Yeah, the finale of the series is today. Right now, the Yankees are up 2-1. to one. It's Cortez versus Barrios tonight. Um, as of right now, the Yankees are two games better than the Blue Jays, or a game better because they have two, or sorry, the Blue Jays are two games better than the Yankees because they have two less losses. Last night, they went 10 innings. Garrett Cole, Chris Bassett, they did very good pitching. Chris Bassett's actually on a 28-inning scoreless streak. Uh, another guy with a scoreless inning streak, Nathan Avaldi lost his last night as the Rangers lost to the Braves. Last night, there wasn't too much controversy, which was really nice. There was a nice break from the normal news outlet, but game one, you know, watching the game, and it's a normal game. I don't even pick up on this because I'm watching, uh, I think it was the Yankees feed. But after the game, there's a video of Aaron Judge just taking a peek over at the dugout or the first base coach and everyone's losing their mind. They're like, Oh, he did this. Now Josh Donaldson did it in the postseason. They both hit home runs. What were your first thoughts when you saw that? So when you see it, right, it doesn't, it doesn't look good, right? You're the, the franchise, the, you're the one of the faces of baseball right now, right there and judging you're looking over at the dugout right before you hit a home run. It's, it's, it's not a good look. It's not. But I was like, there probably is an explanation of it because there hasn't been, you haven't seen this before. Obviously, like, this is something that people are, you're going to go back and look through past Aaron Judge at bats. Like, kind of like what we did with the, with the banging of the trash can. You kind of went back and you found out when it was used, if you could hear it, stuff like that. So you're going to go back and look. 
Um, so I was like, there's got to be something behind it. And I always try and reserve judgment until more information comes out, which more information did come out about it. And Aaron Judge said that he was, uh, they were, the other players in the dugout were chirping at the umpire and he wanted, he was trying to figure out who that was. That was what he said was happening, right? So could it be he was cheating? Yes. Could it also be that he was doing that? Also, yes. Do I think the truth is somewhere in between? Most likely. So there was more of a development of it. And at the time, Buck Martinez, Blue Jays commentator, he didn't make the situation any better, but he didn't know, right? So on the Blue Jays uh, feed of the game, when it came on air, Buck Martinez was basically like, whoa, what is, what's going on? Aaron Judge keeps looking at the dugout. And they were really skeptical of it. And rightfully so. I get that because you don't know what's going on. And so you are allowed to you know, speculate, especially when it's against your team. Later, it comes out that Jay Jackson, the pitcher, was tipping. And it's completely legal if you're on the bench or you're the first base coach or the third base coach. If you've picked up on a tip, you can relay that to your hitter through hand signals, through clapping, something like that. As long as there's no technology involved in the discovery of a tip or the deliverance of a tip to a batter, it's completely legal. And the Yankees found this. And I think it was... Is it a bad is it bad how baseball fans reacted to this? They immediately jumped the gun into assuming that Aaron Judge, the American League home run leader of all, like the single season home run leader record holder, was cheating. I'm gonna say no, strictly based on just what's happened in the last what half decade? Mm-hmm. Almost yeah, a little over half decade because it was 2017, right? And the MVP and then eventual World Series champion Astros, the Jose Altuve was cheating. The Astros were cheating. So it's not like it's unheard of to hear that the MVP was cheating or that the World Series champions were cheating or a record holder is cheating, right? So I don't think jumping the gun, especially after what has happened in the landscape of baseball in the past couple of years, was was really it was wasn't an overreaction for most for most fans, right? I mean, obviously, there are fans that are going to jump the gun. There are fans that are going to be like, oh, let's hold on. And then there's going to be Yankees fans that will protect Aaron Judge at all costs. So the thing is, you need to get all the facts before anything happens. And that's what is coming out, and that's what's happening, right? And so with that, Jay Jackson was optioned to AAA. It wasn't really related to him letting up the home run. It was they had Thomas Hatch coming back from injury, and he was just the 26th man on the roster. He gets sent down to AAA. And when he was interviewed about what happened during the game, because this is the guy you want to talk to, this is a pitcher where it happened. He was like, from what I was told, I was kind of tipping the pitch. Uh, this is from The Athletic. It was reported on ESPN. And he said, it was less my grip when I was coming behind my ear. It was at the time it was taking me from my set position, from my glove coming from my head to my hip. So basically, there's this image released on Twitter. And you can see that when he was holding his fastball, he had his thumb tucked under the ball. When he was holding a slider, his thumb was tucked on the side of the ball. And the first base coach could see that clear as day. So he was able to pick up that image and relay that to Aaron Judge. And you're complete. That is completely legal. There's no part of baseball that says you are not allowed to look for a tip. 
Because on off days for players, on off days for starting pitchers, when they're sitting in the dugout, that's their job is to find things that the pitcher's doing wrong, what the defense isn't doing correctly. If they can find any competitive advantage using their eyes or non-technological advances and use that to benefit their team. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Like, I, I mean, I know I've done it countless times. I've it's taken. It's it's like kind of, and you pick up, you pick up on certain things that the pitcher does. If you get into a rhythm on the base path, right? They set one two go, right? You'll pick up on that. It's set one two, and once it hits two, you can take off because they're going to go to the plate. It's just a little bit of a competitive advantage in order to to give your team a little bit of an edge. It happens in every single sport, right? Like in basketball, if you know that one guy's hot, you're going to try and guard him a little more. If you know X play and you see the set in motion, it's going to be X play. You're going to jump the gun and try and get to that. Right. There are things that are going to tip off what the play is going to be. And that is a very big thing just from under to on the side. That's very, very big. Right. And it happened. And I, it happened in a world series. Someone was tipping pitch. Was it, it was last year. It was, it was uh, Lance McCullers. McCullers. Lance McCullers was tipping. It was the same, same scenario. Right. So it's just a matter of you, both teams need to rec like the Yankees recognized it and the blue Jays needed to recognize it as well and fix it and be like, you know what? You're tipping your pitches. That's probably what it is. Obviously the broadcasters aren't going to know that because they're not keying in on their guy. They're keying in on Aaron judge, the opponent who's doing something. Rightfully so. It looked shady, but it wasn't. It was just a competitive advantage that they're trying to take advantage of legally. And so you would think that this is the big storyline of the series. This is the only controversy that takes place, right? No. Game two, there's two big storylines, right? The Blue Jays before game two were saying that the issue was that the base coaches weren't in their designated boxes. Let's be honest here. No base coach ever stays in the box throughout a game. If a power hitter is hitting, they move to the back of the box. They move behind so they don't get the legs taken out from one of them. If there's a runner rounding third, the third base coach moves down the line to signal him to stop or keep going. The first base coach gets in gets in the sight line of the dude rounding first to let him know, hey, pick it up, pick it up, go to second, something of that nature. And the Blue Jays issued a statement to MLB saying, we want you to enforce the Yankees' third base coach and first base coach to stay in the box. And from there, in the third inning, Luis Rojas, who is, who is, if you remember correctly, he was the Mets manager in 2021 for one season. And now he is the third base coach of the New York Yankees. And he wasn't in the box. So the Blue Jays called him out to the umpires. And John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, is basically saying, oh, it was in a joking matter, but Luis Rojas took it a little bit too seriously. Resulted in tensions flying. Guys were yelling at each other. Aaron Boone comes out of the dugout. And we don't know who this was directed at, but John Schneider yells, shut up, fat boy. Shut up. Uh, it's probably not what you want to say. Uh, but, you know, in the heat of the moment, you say things you don't mean. Um, at, for me, like, I've had uh, third base, first base coaches get yelled at for not being in the box. I think um, – one of my I think I think yeah one of one of my first base coaches he was kind of at the back of the box and kind of a step out and a foul ball got hit to him and it hit him and like there was just like a whole debacle he almost got tossed from the game it was it was a lot right so it's not unheard of to get yelled at about these things but the major league level 
it doesn't it doesn't really matter unless you obstruct the play that's happening on the field right you're in foul territory nothing is nothing matters in foul territory really right so for me i think it's a stupid thing but you know if you're gonna it, again it's competitive advantages right you're gonna get into the head of the other coaches and and try and and figure it out that way right that's what you would think and in the fourth inning aaron boone being as petty as he is yelled at the blue jays third base coach for not being in the box which is it's a two-sided coin right it was completely petty of aaron boone to do that but if you're the toronto blue jays you have to if you're calling out the yankees to mlb you have to you have to be in the box at least for that one night yeah tonight or Last night, if they're not, if both teams aren't doing it, fine. But Tuesday night, when you have issued a statement to Major League Baseball that, hey, the New York Yankees aren't in their designated coaches' base boxes, you have to do it yourself. Yeah, 100%. You can't expect somebody to do one thing. And it's, I mean, it's universal law, right? Like, if you expect the other team to have everyone be in their designated positions and not waver from that, and you have to do the same thing. You can't expect one person or one team to do something and you not do it. You not abide by that law. And that wasn't the only controversy. Domingo Herman, if you might remember, earlier this year in April, we've talked about it on here. He was pitching fantastic. I believe it was against the Minnesota Twins. And yes. he comes out and it's after an inning and he's getting his hand inspected by an umpire and they're like, hey, this is way too sticky. You've got to go wash it off. He goes, washes it off, comes back in, comes back out, and his hand's still sticky, but he doesn't get ejected. Rocco Baldelli, the twins manager, is like, hey, you guys just said his hand is sticky and you're not ejecting him. What are you guys doing? And basically, everyone was pissed off that the Yankees were getting special treatment, in quotes. Same game as the whole thing base coach controversy, Domingo Herman gets straight yep. up ejected for sticky stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you were warned once in a previous game and you do it again. And like it says right there, it was a quote, it was the stickiest hand I had ever felt, right? Like, it's bad. And I, I, I don't know. I tried to, because I tried to, I was, I was of this, if you get caught and you get caught, you get talked to, and then you get caught again, you should be ejected. It happened with Scherzer, right? It didn't happen with Domingo Herman. That's that's the issue, right? It didn't happen to Domingo. It happened to Scherzer, and Domingo gets caught again. He's got to go. And with that, the quote is, it's the stickiest hand I've ever felt. That's exactly what they said for Scherzer. Yeah. So clearly, they have either a script or they all have a misconception of what it means to be ridiculously sticky. And evidently that umpire is probably not getting it on in some places where he wishes he was. But there's also the image of Domingo Herman in the dugout with the, the, the suspicious looking brown substance on the outside of his pants. Something that you might say would be pine tar. He says that it was chewing tobacco that he had wiped on with his hand. Do you believe him? From his track record, I don't think I can. I don't. I I don't think I can. Tr- I can trust that word, right? Like if it was another guy and he said that, then maybe. But I I, I don't trust it. And it's saying that it says on here. This is a CBS article talking about the ejection that 
Domingo Hamara didn't get a clear explanation at the moment, and he ended up getting thrown out of the game. His spin rates weren't above his season averages, but then again, you can have you can have days where your normal spin rates are lower on average. No sticky substance either way, and your spin rates are just lower. It happens. You use sticky stuff, you get back up to that normal par. The thing that gets me, right, is no other umpiring crew over the past month since this incident on April 15th with the Twins has called him out for it. So it's either this umpiring staff was looking for it and wanted to eject him. They found the one spot of his hand where it was too sticky. Or he was using sticky stuff. I mean, was it the same umpiring crew? No, I believe the first one was Phil Cuzzy. Okay. I don't know. I think they had to. I I don't know. Either one could. Any of those could really be true. Um, but I don't. Maybe they had. Maybe he didn't use it, and it was a after game one. Maybe he was like, "Did they win game one?" Yeah, uh, the Yankees won game one. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to like get up on one or something. Could that have been something? Maybe they wanted to like bury the Blue Jays. And so he actually did sticky stuff this time. Do you think that could have been a possibility? I don't think the team would straight out be, hey, use sticky stuff. Uh, yeah, maybe it's a preconceived thing in his head, though. Maybe. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I, I get the notion that it's like, hey, we got to win this game. It just doesn't seem like, hey, a smart idea. No, it's not. But... I don't think you go out and tell your starting pitcher, especially with a depleted starting rotation as it is, to risk getting suspended for two times through the rotation. That's fair. So with that, we're on game four tonight. It's been a heated series. Domingo Herman is likely getting a 10-game suspension. I don't think he'll be able to appeal it because, as we saw with Max Scherzer, it's not an independent arbiter. It's an MLB representative. That's not a case you're going to win. There has to be a defined line, though, because the umpire's interpretation of what is too sticky is an opinion and not a fact. It's true. One idea that I heard was you have to find a way to test what the substance is, like a 15-minute test. You can take a swab off the ball, swab off the hand. There's technology to do it. I mean, yeah, but that's just going to take time. Like and, You can't do that between whole- innings, though? I mean, I guess, but what if the ending's quick? Work on the technology that doesn't make it 18 hours. Yes. I think that there's a much better way to... I think banning sticky stuff and going in the right direction was a controversy in itself to begin with. I agree that pitchers shouldn't be using tools to increase their spin rates to 3,100 RPMs on a four-seam fastball. Yeah. But it's like sunscreen and rosin. Rosin is harmless. It just it allows the pitchers to grip the ball, and you want your pitchers throwing ninety six and knowing a general idea of where it's going. Sure. So they need to figure out how they're going to measure the use of sticky stuff and how they're going to enforce it with a defined line and not just an umpire's opinion. With that, it kind of is a good transition into pitcher injuries with the pitch clock. So. Last year, or excuse me, 2021, 
We're going through the beginning of the season. Trevor Bauer still in the major leagues with the Dodgers. He was kind of like the front runner. Him and Garrett Cole were like the two sticky stuff guys. The ones that you saw with insane spin rates. It's evident that he used it in 2020. 2021's coming around. And in the middle of the year, they drop a ban on the usage of sticky stuff. With that, there's a couple pitchers that get injured because they had, I think it was two weeks to turn around. They didn't have a month to be, become cold turkey. They basically had to snap their fingers and stop using sticky stuff. And yes, there's the argument that in the first place, if they weren't using it, then there wouldn't be an issue. However, if you're someone that's using sunscreen and rosin, such as the Tampa Bay Rays, Tyler Glass now, you have to transition off of it. You can't just snap your fingers and hop off of it. Yes, Tyler Glass now, is he injury plagued? Yes, has his career been shortened by injuries? or his appearance, appearances in his career, yes. But as soon as the ban took place, he needed Tommy John because he flat out admitted, I used sunscreen and rosin in order to have a tack on the ball. He's 6'7". He doesn't need help spinning the baseball. He has huge hands. Nice. He doesn't have an issue with spinning the baseball. The issue that he had was, I just want to be able to have a grip on the baseball. And that restriction created pitcher injury. And there's this good athletic article because it's going to transition into a conversation about the pitch clock. Do pitchers that throw fa- do you if you pitch faster, do you get hurt? Right? So they have this graphic beginning in 2000 through 2023 of excluding 2020 of pitchers that have gotten hurt in the month of April that are placed on the injured list. The highest years are 2017, 2019 and 2023. Now they're saying that is this because of the pitch clock or no? And the answer is, we don't know. I know it's a it's a frustrating answer, but it also brings up a conversation that's really interesting in the fact that the single highest increase of injury from year to year, the highest rate among players as a whole, specifically position players and pitchers, uh, like starting pitchers, excuse me, not just relief pitchers. This is from an academic journal written in 2023. It's talking about the COVID-2019 season, or the COVID-19-2020 season, excuse me. This season produced the most pitcher injuries per capita of any season in MLB history. And guess what that didn't have? The pitch clock. I mean, yeah, but I think that's more due to their – because they didn't have a full extended spring training. And, yes, they had a shortened season, but your body – I don't think their bodies were fully ready for the season. So that's where I think that those injuries come from. I agree with that fact. But my point in bringing up this study here – I'll link it in the show notes below, so if you want to read it, you can. My point in saying this is – Even the pitchers this year had a full spring training to prepare. So there has to be something that's going on that's causing these injuries. I mean, it might just be – so this was one of my big concerns for the pitch clock was the injury risk that it has, right? It's it's the repetitive of you don't have the same amount of time to recuperate between innings, between pitches, and and it's it's – bad for the pitcher's arms when injuries were already at a high it felt at least right it, it's going it's wear and tear on the body 
and it's faster and faster and faster. You don't have time to recuperate. Like normally like Max Scherzer, right? He would pitch the ball and then he would walk around the, the, the mound and then he would come set and then he'd look in and then he'd pitch. And yes, it takes a lot of time, but it's also because he's trying to get his body or his arm better in between the pitches, right? Now he has 15 to 20 seconds to do it. And it's, it's not good for your body. I, I think it was, I thought it was going to cause injuries and I think it's still, and I think it is. So I'm just going to use this article, this athletic article also will be in the show notes below. Max Scherzer is actually quoted in here. He's talking about it. He's saying that he is a fan of the pitch clock. And if you don't want to get hurt, get in shape. Funny how that works. Cause you know, he's been hurt. Um, he saying that, Oh, I'm someone that, between innings i don't sit down and you know rest i pace around i want to get back out there and there's been studies that have come out and basically quotes by baseball players specifically pitchers saying that i really like the pitch clock because a i'm able to live my life this was an article that came out on mob.com talking about the other advantages of the pitch clock this is from brandon woodruff my kids are able to come in the clubhouse and have a good time, interact with teammates i'm able to put them to bed i'm able to get eight hours of sleep Sleep is ridiculously important for recovery of anyone, specifically pitchers, because position players, they get to the field, they get their reps, their ground balls, their fly balls, whatever they need, their swings, and it's game time. Pitchers have to go through throwing routines, and I understand the the juxtaposition of pitchers being non-athletes, but they have to treat their bodies. It's It is one of the most unique positions, things you have to do in any sport is pitch the ball. Because the people I compare to a pitcher are a goalie almost in some sports, kind of a quarterback in football, but not really. I mean, quarterbacks, I would say football quarterback would be the best. That's the only comp, but the thing is the quarterback's scoring. The pitcher's preventing runs. So my point is pitchers are unique and in doing so the way their bodies function their biomechanics their necessity for for healing is going to be different than every other sport so they need this sleep they're getting out of the stadium they're getting more sleep and it's better all around it said that on average if this pace keeps up players will get 60 more hours of sleep each season that's that's significant that's almost 3 days of sleep And in this article that's written on The Athletic, it cites that minor league pitchers had a lower rate of injury in 2022, the year it was implemented, the pitch clock in the minor leagues, than in 2021. There's no statistical evidence that the pitch timer has led to injuries, but there are also too many factors to make a definitive conclusion. Velocity is still increasing, workloads are staying the same, and recovery time between pitches is truncated. So, yes, there is going to be more injuries, but stating that the pitch clock is the main concern in the main provider of these increase in injuries is a fallacy. I'm not, I don't think it's the main reason, but I think it is a contributing factor. I I won't disagree with that because in college baseball in 2022, this is also the year the pitch clock was implemented. The college pitching stat, like across college baseball, specifically like draft potential prospects, they were ravaged by pitching injuries in 2022. And the only thing you can point to is the pitch clock. There was no sticky stuff ban. I mean, it's not allowed, but 
it's college baseball. It, there's no sticky stuff issue. The mound wasn't moved. The baseballs were the same. The only differing factor was the pitch clock. But the thing is, this year, second year of the pitch clock, the injury rates are gone. It's back to its normal curve. So I think drawing a conclusion based off of our 50-day sample is not fair. And, and I, I agree. I, I think it's going to take time before, I, again, it's gonna, it's a curve, right? So it, the rates are going to probably be a little more up this year than normal. And I think next year they'll even back out kind of like we've seen both in the minors and in college. And then Tom produces this argument. Like I, I wish he was here to talk about it, that organizations that are focusing on stuff over players increase their injury risk. His point was Los Angeles Dodgers, Tony, or Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, and Walker Buehler. I want to hear your thoughts on this first. So I, I don't think, I, I don't know. I, I, I see, I see both sides of the argument, right? Like, if you're preaching stuff over mechanics, like you're preaching that that this way, doing it this way to have the most movement and the most run on your pitches is 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 going to lead to the most success, which it's proven to have led to the most success, right? Like the pitching staff in Los Angeles is outstanding, but the injury risk has also come. You've seen it. Like like who just went down? Uh, Dustin May just went down again. So it's, I see both sides of the argument. I just don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. Cause I, uh, I'm, I'm with, I'm washy washy on it in all honesty. Mm-hmm. I don't fully agree with Tom, right? Cause I don't think the Dodgers preaching this way of pitching is leading to the injuries. I think there's a multitude of factors leading to the injuries, right? And could that be one of them? Yes. But is it the main factor? No, I don't think so. I agree. Because okay. they're, the Tampa Bay Rays is a different story than the Dodgers, the Astros, the Twins. The reason I don't say the Yankees is because since 2018, right, almost all of the pitchers that have been in their bullpen have required some form of arm surgery. So there is something there. There is something there to the statement that going for stuff is causing these injuries. If you look at Stuff Plus based on fan graphs in 2023, the Yankees lead, then it's the Astros, the Twins, the White Sox, the Rays, the Dodgers. That kind of checks out. But the Rays have lost four starting pitchers to injuries. The Astros are missing half of their starting rotation. However, I will put an asterisk next to that, no pun intended, that Lance McCullers is injury plagued. And you can't make this stuff assumption about guys that are just career injuries. That's fair. Because Tyler Glass now injuries through his whole career. Good stuff. Dustin May, I will say, is a unique example because he had Tommy John surgery in 2021. And then this year he's got the forearm issue. And he's a guy with an over, like kind of a three-quarters release point that's generating 22 inches of run on a two-seam fastball. So yes, there is some evidence of this, right? But I can't say that going for stuff creates more injury. Yes, if you focus solely on stuff and not mechanics, then yeah, that's going to happen. Because if you contort your arm into angles that is not supposed to happen without the sufficient biomechanics to support that, of course you're going to get injured. 
So I think, again, it, it comes back to what I talked about last time. Tom, or two episodes ago, I guess now, Tom sees one thing and he runs his whole argument based off of that one thing, right? Which isn't a bad thing, but again, you need all the factors at play, right? Not every single, like not every single Dodgers pitcher pitches the exact same way, right? Yeah. So they're all not, they're, they're trying to get the most stuff out of their mechanics, right? So it's not the same, right? So you can't say it's just the stuff that, that they're preaching and that's leading to the injuries because it's not because they don't pitch the exact same way. That's completely true. And his point was like Tony Gonsolin. Yeah. Tony Gonsolin's had some freak injuries. He's sprained his ankle. Like last year, I don't think it was because of his stuff. I think last year was because of the fact he had never thrown that many innings and the Dodgers just let him keep going. Walker Bueller, he was healthy 2019 or 2018 through 2021. And then he needed Tommy John surgery. And his stuff was never exceptional. You can't say that by creating good pitchers, you are getting good pitchers hurt because that's not true. Yeah. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it's an extremely fair point. Because, yes, there are more injuries now. Pitchers don't go as deep into games as they used to. But here's the thing. They throw faster than they ever have. And pitchers who throw slower aren't successful. Unless you're elite. Yeah. So I get where the argument stems from. I'm not saying it's a malpracticed argument. I am saying that you can't associate injuries based on stuff. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I mean, I think we just kind of debunked Tom's argument, but you know. And if Tom, if you're listening, which I hope you are, safe travels. I want to have a conversation about I, I want to understand your perspective on this better. Because there is a good argument there. There is a conversation to be had, but we we need evidence. Yeah. So getting from that, going on to a little bit more of a fun note as we wrap up this episode. Uh, if you see in the show note in the episode note sheet i linked an article called the first quarter grades we're going to go through it and just list off what they say and whether we agree or disagree first quarter being the first 40 games all right so the first team it goes uh alphabetical by city name so it's arizona atlanta baltimore etc so the diamondbacks have an a grade i think that is completely fair seems completely valid like it says they lost 110 games in 2021 and now they're within range of the Dodgers for the NL West. That's true. The Braves have an A. The Juggernaut Braves are on their way to the sixth straight division title. Are the Braves that good of a team? Are they an A, or are they just playing in a mediocre NL East right now? I think they are the best team in the East. I think they are. Um, but again, the, my my issue with them, though, is going to be the injuries to everybody. Like Michael Harris went down with an injury. Starting rotations kind of depleted. The bullpen's a little depleted, right? So there's, there's, that's, those are the big things, right? Can they stay healthy? And I mean, so far, I, like, like we've talked about the entire episode, every pitching staff is, is a little depleted in some, some shape or form, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just a matter of can you weather the storm? Agreed. The next team also, an A, the Orioles. And <laughs> I like the first sentence. 
You're the first part of this. No thanks to the front office or the ownership who effectively sat out the offseason. And that is yeah. true. They are putting out a very similar product that they put out in 2022, but it's a good product. Yeah. They're on pace to be an 100-win team for the first time since 1980, which is true. I think since we're rating the team, I agree with the A. If we're talking about the organization and what they've done, I would give it a B because the starting pitching is not that great. No, not at all. And the bullpen's fantastic. I I hope they do something at the deadline. Because I'm going to assume that pretty much they stay on the same path path that they are. So they're probably going to be a playoff contention team. Mm -hmm. I want them to go out and get somebody. I don't know who they're going to go out and get, but they they have so many good prospects. They could get a high-tier pitching the star. Yeah. In looking at their baseball savant, five of their bottom six pitchers and expected Woba are starting pitchers. That's not good. So Orioles, the team gets an A for how they're performing, but it's due to the offense. The Red Sox yes. got a B. I, I mean, I agree with it. Because I expected them to be the worst in the AL East, and they're what third? They're, or are they fourth? they're fifth. Are they fifth? Yeah. Oh, I'm a couple days behind. We're good. Uh, so I mean, I guess I agree with it. I mean, I this doesn't have. You. This doesn't have, like minus pluses and pluses. Minuses. I'd probably give them a B minus. In all honesty, I could probably see a C plus. In all honesty, but like, so no. Uh, for me, though, my expectations were extremely low on them. Like, I did not expect them to be good whatsoever. And their offense has actually showed up. Yeah. Primarily thanks to, to Masataki Yoshida. But then their pitching staff has just been lackluster, which was also kind of expected because they're all old. But, you know. so Chris I, sales I'm, look I'm really good. good. Yeah, I'm good with a B-. minus. All right. And so we say a B- minus for the Red Sox, but then we got the Cubs, right? They're... They got out to a super hot start, then they tailed off, but they're a competitive team in a really bad division that they're not in first in. So the grade that was given was a C, and I kind of agree. Mm, I'm thinking. Again, I, I, I think the Red Sox and the Cubs are very, very similar teams, so I'd probably go with a B-. minus. Okay, I, I, I'll hear that. White Sox F. Yep. All right. Reds. <laughs> the Reds have a C for their grade. And okay. I think you have to do this based off of where they were supposed to be. I'm going to give them a B. Because I can agree with that. They have starting pitching who Graham Ashcraft has slumped a lot. Dolo's injured, but they have signs of success. They're calling up young kids to actually play. And they've been a semi-competent baseball team. When's De La Cruz supposed to come? Is that next year? Uh, probably at this point. Okay. He's looked good in the minors the past couple of times I've looked at his stats. Yeah, he has. I think he had a game where he hit three balls over 115. Something like yeah, something gonna, crazy like that. He's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And then the Guardians, who on here, they're called the Indians. Good job, CBS. The Guardians got a D, and I'm going to actually put them at an F. Their offense is abysmal. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to keep them at a D, for me at least, but 
I, I can definitely see where you're where you're coming from. The Rockies a C minus. Oh, they do have minus grades. Cool. Um, honestly, they haven't been completely atrocious. They're not good. Just the Rockies. Yeah. Sure, C minus. You don't deserve our words. Uh, the Tigers a B. I agree with. I'm this. good with that. I'm good I, with that as well. I'd almost give them a B plus. But here's the thing. I've said this a couple of times, and I think this is just where they were supposed to be last year. Yeah, they're they're a year behind. Yeah, I think it's a fine organization. They're going through a front office change, and hopefully, this is some signs of life. The Astros a C. I don't know. They started slow. They heated up a little bit. But and then is injuries. it did they start slow or are they just injured? Because they've been really good recently. They're in a they're tied for this uh the last wild card. They're two games out of first. When's Jose Saltuve supposed to come back? Uh he's rehabbing right now. He's on a rehab. I thought he was summer. ahead of I thought he was ahead of schedule. He is. So I mean, I think that'll be he'll be very helpful. I, I I'm gonna I'm good with a C. Because you also have to rate that, that how their performance, injuries and all, that's how they've been doing throughout this the season thus far, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with a C. Okay. I think I'll go C plus just given the circumstances that's they've fair. had to deal with. Yeah. Royals and F. Um, okay. So what's the deal with the draft with whether or not you're able to get a top six pick two years in a row? I don't understand that because like the Nats like I saw a thing and it was like the highest we can get is like 10 or something and I was like that doesn't make any sense and that seems stupid like you're just gonna make you're that that that's injuring like the teams that are genuinely just terrible right like the Nats are just genuinely terrible the Pirates are just genuinely terrible right that's gonna hurt them in the long run right because you're giving teams that are mediocre like the Angels a chance at the number one pick Mm mm-hmm I think that it has to do with revenue sharing. I don't completely understand it. Neither do I. If the Royals are able to get a top six pick, they they deserve an A because they're horrible and they're going to be in the lottery. Uh, the Angels a C plus. So they're, they're a 500 team right now, which I guess is better than expected. Because um, the Angels... I, mean, I expected them to be 500. It's just... Again, the the whole lingering Shohei Otani, what's going to happen? That's the that's really what the Angels season is. It's it's Shohei Otani, what's going to happen? The I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I don't I I just the Angels are such a disappointment. Dodgers A, yep. Expected to yeah, be, I'm good with that. Expected to not run the West and they're running the West. Marlins a B. I disagree with this. I think they're like a C C minus, but that's because their offense just absolutely putrid. Yeah, I'm fine with that too. It's just I just I don't like the Marlins just top to bottom. They're probably one of my least favorite organizations in baseball. Because they could have been so good. They could have been. The Brewers a B plus. I'll give them a B. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. Actually, I'm I'm good with a B plus. It's the fact that the NL Central is so mid. That's fine, but I, I I need more I need more offense from them. I want I, I like what the young guys have come up and done. I agree. I think that I think that the Brewers will probably win the Central honestly at this rate because the Cardinals have a hole to climb out of. They've been playing good baseball recently. We'll get to them in a minute. Um, but 
it's a, it's a horrible division, man. The only division the Brewers would be first in is the AL Central. Okay. Well, that's not hard. Yeah. Uh, twins, speaking of, B+, plus, sure. No one expected yeah. you to be in first. Mets, D-, minus. Uh, bump that down a little bit to an F for me. Yes, I, I agree. But, like, again, you also want to talk about – you talked about injuries, but the the Astros, you talk, got to talk about injuries a little bit here with the Mets. But I'm still fine with an F or a D-. minus. Injuries – and underperformance. The Astros are ridiculously injured and are five games above 500. The Mets are ridiculously injured and two games below. So, yeah. Yankees, C+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I, whatever I gave the Red Sox, give it to them. Can we give the Red Sox? C+, plus, B-. Minus. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm fine with this. I'd give them a C in all honesty. I'm just lower on them. Fair. But again, <laughs> I guess injuries... <laughs> the athletics got a G. <laughs> G is not a grade in a traditional manner of things, but for the A's, we need something lower than a rather pedestrian F. This G is entirely a reflection of ownership's calculated decision to trot out a base humiliation of a roster, all to advance the goal of getting a raft of corporate welfare from Las Vegas. Owner John Fisher and his chief enabler, team president Dave Caval, deserve the shame and scorn for as long as they infect the sport. As the team on the field, with malice aforethought, they are on pace for almost 130 <laughs> losses this season. Do you, uh, This comes back to a question we've asked a couple times. Do you think they will be the worst team in baseball history? Yes. Okay. So you remember the infamous F minus? Or the backwards yeah, F, the backwards F. Backwards F. The backwards, they are backwards, they backwards F. F. All right. The yeah. Phillies, C minus, D plus. Yeah, I'm good with that. Pirates, A minus, B plus, really good start. They've been really bad recently. Yeah. Cardinals, F. Disagree. Probably like a C minus because they've heated up a lot recently. They're eight and two in their last 10. Uh, they still aren't very good, but they're only six and a half games out of first in the NL Central. It's they're They'll be okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they're gonna win the central though. But honestly, you, you might not have to it. to be a wild card team this year. Fair. I think they'll be okay. Uh, Padres F. Is it an F? I feel like it's like a, a D. C. Yeah, D plus. F is like absolutely horrendous. Yeah, and if if you were saying like two weeks into the season, yeah, I'd give them an F, but. Like Soto's yeah. been really good recently. He's been Xander beating Bogart up. Xander's been tailed. good. No, he hasn't. He's Xander started hot and has yeah. tailed off, right? Yeah. Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. is just back, and we've really only seen a small sample size. We need more from Manny. Pitching is how's the pitching? Okay, is what I thought. I just wanted to clear that up before I said that. So Giants. yeah, I mean, F backwards F. Put them in the same category. No, they got a G. Um, <laughs> the giant probably a C. That's what the article yeah, says. Okay. They're again, they're, they're they're mid. Yeah, that's what a C is. Uh, Mariners C plus, nah, C minus. They were a playoff team last year. The ceiling was the limit. Yeah. No, no, the sky was the limit. The ceiling is where they're at. Uh, they're a game under five hundred. They're fourth in the AL West. They're three games out of a wild card spot, and I don't think either of us think they're a playoff team right now. 
No, I don't think they are. We talked about it last episode. I think Rangers, Astros are really the only people out of ALS that could be playoff contenders. The Rays and A+, plus, the only A-plus that was given in this article. As it uh, should be. Yeah, they're on pace to win 120 games. The Rangers and A. I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that. I could see an yeah. A-, minus, but. Yeah, I'll give it to them. They've overperformed. They're, they felt that volatility that we said. They could be really good or really bad. And they and chose down, the good side. They're down, they're down Seager. They're and down DeGrom. DeGrom now. Like, you're down your two best players, and you're still performing pretty well. Yeah. And they've had good starting pitching. Mike Maddox has helped the organization a lot. Um, Nathan Eovaldi just got hit for the first time last night against the Braves. But you know what? Rangers, good job. Blue Jays B, whatever the, whatever the Red Sox and Yankees got. Because I feel like they're all in the same exact conversation. Yeah. Let's see, even though they're playing healthy majority of their games on the road so far, they're solidly above five hundred. Manoa has been horrible. Springer, mm-hmm. I yeah, Yankees, Red Sox, and the Nationals. I'll leave this one to you. I'm going with the B minus. I, I mean, again, you're we're expected to lose a hundred games. And we're on pace for 91 losses. That's what it says. So, and, and I've liked what I've seen from the guys, right? Like, we just got Corey Dickerson back yesterday. That's what I talked about in my Nats preview or whatever, right? We just got Corey Dickerson back. He homered in his first game back. Dom Smith's been heating up a little bit. Uh, like Aiden was talk, texting us about. Jammer Candelario's, I guess, heating up a little bit. Um, again, my big thing with Dom Smith is his glove and his – ability to give C.J. Abrams uh, and uh, Luis Garcia a little more comfortability uh, at their defensive positions. And we've seen it with Luis Garcia. His, like I talked about, his outs have averaged from 1 to 75th, from the first percentile to 75th percentile. It's a big jump from him. Yeah, just um, so I'm, I'm comfortable with the B-minus. They've got eight hard-hit balls today. Not horrible. Yeah. Good job. Uh, good job, Nats. So – Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. Uh, we've mentioned there's a couple articles that we've referenced. Those will all be in the description below. They are interesting reads if you do find yourself wanting to learn more about. Uh, really just talking about the pitch clock and the majority of those articles. This fun CBS articles where they don't know what team is from Cleveland. So we will be back on Tuesday with another episode. We appreciate you listening. If you want to interact with us at all, all social media links will be in the description below. Thank you for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We will see you all next time. Peace. Steve!